It's going to be a game called fill in the blank. All right, are you ready for this? Fill in the blank. Doubting. She got it right. Doubting Thomas. How many remember that? Doubting Thomas, right? Because remember what Thomas said, John 20, 25? I'm going to read it for you. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said, Except I shall see his hands in the print of his nails, and put uh, print of the nails, and put my fingers in the, into the print of his nails, and thrust my hand into his side. Listen, I will not believe. Wait a minute. That's not doubting. That's just flat unbelief, right? I know we call him Doubting Thomas, but really he didn't believe. He was a saved unbeliever, and I've used that phrase many times, and it's a true one. Uh, many times believers act uh, as unbelievers. But he was, uh, he was acting, he was, he was literally being an unbeliever. But who was the real doubter? I want to look at that tonight. The real doubter wasn't Thomas, the unbeliever. The real doubter was Peter. So now you can say doubting who? Doubting Peter, right? And we're going to look at that tonight. And as we get into this part of the text and this, this uh, portion of Matthew, um, the events that are listed here tonight are recorded in two other Gospels. They are recorded in Mark, and then they are recorded again in John, okay? Now, one portion of the events that are recorded here tonight are only recorded in Matthew. And it's what we're going to look at tonight of Peter getting out of the ship. That is the only, that it is only recorded here in Matthew. And of course, I've pondered this. I've wondered this. Obviously, this was the will of God. It's amazing when you go and you read what maybe what you think of what somebody thinks on this passage and you'll hear a million things of history and why so-and-so wrote this at 60 AD and he was conferring with Mark because at this time and it's like, how about this? God wanted this one written. How about that? It was all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Amen. Right. And it's profitable. We know that. And uh, inspiration means breathe. God breathe. All scriptures given by the breath of God. And this is exactly what God wanted Matthew to include in this section on the events that happened that that evening or that early morning out on the Sea of Galilee. He wanted this recorded. It's recorded here. Remember, Matthew is a Jewish, written to a Jewish audience, presenting the Messiah. It's written to a Jewish audience. You remember this? The Jews require what? A sign. A sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews were constantly looking uh, for a, a sign. And as we're going to see tonight, uh, I believe that God is showing Israel we don't live by sight. We live by the Word of God. And we might see that tonight. I want to look at this subject titled today, tonight here is When Peter Jumps Ship. Now we've heard a lot of preaching about this. We've heard a lot of uh, inspirational preaching about this passage. Uh, I, I really believe the more you look in this, uh, the more uh, there, there is uh, something that gets missed here in this section of Scripture. And I want to look at that tonight. Notice verse in verses 22 and 23. Jesus has finished up the feeding of the 5,000. Remember they came apart. He was coming apart. He had got the news. John the Baptist, his cousin, his forerunner, the one who was, who was prophesied before him, John the Baptist, has been beheaded by Herod Antipas. 
he was uh, beheaded and Jesus is needing to get away for a little while. He was trying to get apart and get alone and spend some time um, away. But when he got there, the multitude showed up. They ran out to meet him there. And of course, as he does, he begins to minister. And we saw the feeding, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Jesus said, ye, ye feed them. And we saw that last week. We feed the multitudes by bringing them to Jesus Christ. And he ends up, he ends up, he is the bread of life. Well, this is over now. The time has passed. And now he has commanded the disciples and he's told them, get into the ship and go to the other side of the sea there. Go to the other side, which would have been the sea, uh, the sea of, of, of Galilee. And as he puts them into the ship, Jesus is going away up into a mountain, the Bible says, to pray and to be alone. And he heads up to that mountain there. And it says here in verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there, he was there alone. Let me say this. Sometimes the busyness of life and the busyness of ministry never go away, do they? They never go away. And all those circumstances what can get in the way of communion with God. Can I say this? Always look for the first opportunity to get back at it. There's times, listen, you plan your Bible reading for the morning and a phone call comes and the whole day is changed. And it's like, that didn't happen. You know what we do? Just look for the next opportunity. Just be ready for the next time to get away because you need that. We need that. We have to have that. Jesus illustrated that for us, that God, the second person of the Godhead in human flesh, while dwelling on this earth, made it known to us the importance of being alone with our Father. And we notice here he gave them the command, these disciples, to go across in the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says now that while they are in the midst of the sea, right, they're in the middle of the sea. Um, They were at the halfway point. It would have been just as far to go back as it would have been to go forward. They get there in the middle of the sea and the Bible says a wind comes up and a storm comes up and uh, they're in a really bad spot. Now, these men have grown up here. They've grown up on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee around Capernaum. They are used to this weather. They are used to this sea. They're fishermen. They're fishermen. They're used to being, be, being out on a boat. And here's the deal. If they're afraid, you ought to be afraid. Right. I was in Oklahoma City, worked for Metro Sign Corporation, and we we're up after it was after, uh, I don't know, five o'clock or so. I was still in the office and uh, one of the one of the artists was still up in the office as well. And one of the owners was still downstairs and it was one of these large concrete industrial, about a 30,000 square foot uh, manufacturing facility, all concrete walls, huge. And uh, a line of storms were coming in from the west. It was springtime. The dry lines come across out of Colorado, and you know what happens in, in Oklahoma. It's why there's no trees. It's all tornadoes. And it was a long, it was a line coming across. It was a strong line. And one of the owners comes up to the office. He goes, hey, you guys might want to go ahead and get home. Uh, it's pretty bad. And the artist who was originally from, uh, well, he was Oklahoma, but then he lived in Washington a long time. He turned and he said, when the locals say to go home, you ought to go home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, when the guys who grew up on the sea and grew up out on the boats and grew up fishing, when they are afraid, it's time to be afraid. 
It really is. And so here they are out there, all out on the sea. We were out on the Sea of Galilee one time, and uh, I asked, I'm looking at it, it's the most serene setting. It was in the morning, it was beautiful, it was calm. It's January, I mean, there wasn't a lot going on. Uh, just, the, the, the Galilee was like glass. And, and over here to the east, around the eastern edge of the shore, is the Golan Heights that go up, these mountains that go all, all around the east, uh, and, uh, and a little bit up to the, to the north, and to the to the western part, there's another uh, range of just mountains coming up, and you have the Arbel Pass, and it's a, a pass along that very northern edge uh, that comes out and empties that mountain pass, the valley empties out into the top part of the Sea of Galilee, and you have, it's called the Arbel Pass, and there's two mountain faces on either side there, and we are, and we are out on the sea, it's six uh, let me know, seven, almost seven, 695 feet below sea level. So the Sea of Galilee is in this massive bowl. And I asked him, it's a beautiful setting. I asked the, I asked the guy, and he's like, explain the huge storm. I mean, this isn't an ocean. It's really a monstrous lake, much smaller than Lake Michigan or Lake Erie or anything like that, although it's called a sea. Explain, I mean, how does this happen? And he said, the winds come out of that, nor- that pass, of Arbel Pass. When storms kick up and they'll come in and they'll wrap around and it makes it like a big bowl in there and the winds just whip around in there. And he said, it gets bad. I've seen videos about it sometime this year. I noticed a video online of, of it was entitled a storm on Galilee and these people were filming it. They wanted you to see how bad it got. It was incredible how quickly and how bad the seas got. And here they are. They're out in this condition. It's bad. They're halfway. They're not going back to shore. All right. It said they're halfway. They, they can't turn. There's no point in turning back. And they're rowing and rowing against the wind. They're not making any progress at all. It is at this time that Jesus decides to go out and meet up with them. Yeah. Look at this. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now let me stop here. The fourth watch of the night. The Jews had three watches of the night. The Romans had four watches of the night. And obviously the Romans are in control here over Israel. And uh, the fourth watch of the night, that is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That is the fourth watch of the night. So sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus comes out there, out on the Sea of Galilee, down from the mountain, out into the sea, to meet them there at uh, at at the sea. And when he comes up towards the boat, and really it says here um, uh, in the fourth watch that Jesus went out unto them walking uh, on the sea. He was coming to the ship. I guess he was planned on just getting in it with them and going on the rest of the way. I don't know. But he said he came unto them. It wasn't going past them. He wasn't going to meet up with them on the other side, although he could have. I don't see it. But he said he, it did come up to him. He, but he, the shocker was he's walking on the sea. Right? These are waves. Right? He's walking. And the disciples look out and it says here that they see it and they're saying it's a spirit. And they start screaming like girls. That's what, did you know that in the Greek, that's what cried out in fear means. Scream like girl. That's, what, that's the meaning of that. Yeah, Screamios, girlios, yeah, to scream like a girl. And uh, they're screaming. They, they are in fear. Look what this word is, straightway. Aren't you glad? Jesus, 
didn't just leave them there screaming. Now, if you've ever been like a Boy Scout or if you've ever gone on camping trips with a bunch of guys, if you ever have an opportunity to put somebody in a bad situation, in a dangerous situation, another guy, and make them scream like girls, you'll just sit and watch them. It's really fun. It's like, this is entertaining, you know? And uh, this is what I would have done, right? <laughs> you put them in a bad spot, it's like, oh, that's great, yeah. And uh, just see how long they can stay here. Je- the Bible says Jesus straightway. He straightway, he called out to them and he said, hey, be of good cheer. (laughs) Cheer up. It's okay. He says, it's me. It is I. Be not afraid. So they, wait, this is the second time they got the word of God. They got the command to go across the sea. And here they are in the midst of the sea. Jesus is showing up. They think it's a spirit. Right. That that word spirit there, I've got it written down here somewhere. Uh, oh, this you, you'll you make sense of this phantasma. That's the Greek word phantasma. Right. It's an apparition. It's a visible spirit, a ghost. Just by seeing they don't know what it, they think it's. Oh, no, it's something. But the voice. He said, it is I be not afraid, be of good cheer. Notice here the presence of Jesus in the midst of the storm. I like that. It's not what we're going to focus on tonight, but that's, it's right here. It's good. In, in John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you see this? The, 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 the Jesus sheep, we know his voice, don't we? We know when there's a voice that claims to be his and we go, boy, I don't know about that. You ever have somebody give you some Bible truth and you don't even know if they're right or not, but something in your spirit's going, I don't know about that. You ever have something that you that you you stand on and you believe and you've never really been pushed to maybe study it as deeply as you should and there's something that you think boy that's truth I know that's truth somebody says well why boy I don't know but I just know it is and you have to go and you got to study and you know what sometimes it's 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 the voice you know the voice it it, it sounds like Jesus somebody says something you go boy that doesn't sound like Jesus why cuz you know his voice in John 20, remember when in the garden tomb, Jesus has risen from the dead. Mary is there in the garden. She's weeping. Her head is down. She's weeping. And, and he comes up and he begins to talk to her. And he's like, why are, you, why are you crying? She thought it was the gardener. She didn't even recognize him. And finally he says, Mary, I love that. She said, Rabboni, master. She knew who it was. Why? She knew his voice. The voice clicked in. The voice. I love that. See, the disciples have been with Jesus full time now. They've been following him everywhere. They've heard him teaching. They've heard hours and hours and hours and hours of teaching. They had to have known his voice. And this is what he says. Be of good cheer. Kind of sounds like what Jesus would say. Does a demon ever say be of good cheer? It is I be not afraid. No, they're like, they're trying to scare you, right? (laughs) No, they don't do that. But I want you to notice this. I'm going to lose my place. I've got to be careful here. There's three things I noticed just before we move on about Jesus being here on the sea. Number one, he's fully aware of what's going on. I don't know where you are in life tonight. God's aware. He's always aware of what's going on. He was aware. He was near. He showed up. He had every intention of showing up. He, 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 was, he was going to spend a little bit of time in prayer and then he was going to join them. 
He was, he is always there. He is always near. He is always near the situation that you are in tonight. And I like this. He's above the storm. He is unaffected by the circumstances of life. Do you know our circumstances have no effect and no bearing on the person of Jesus Christ, the ability of God and the power of God and the place of God and the awareness of God. I don't care what we go through. It has no effect on the character and the person of God. He is aware and he's always there. Amen. So the disciples have been with him for some time. They've heard his preaching. They've seen the miracles. They've watched him heal. They've seen him command demons to get out. They've seen all of this. Right? But Peter. Peter. Look at verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. That's interesting. Some people have looked at this like a fleece. Like he wanted God just, he wanted to make sure, you know, try the spirits, see whether they be of God, right? But we have something connected here, which is his voice and their familiarity. And they knew him. They already had a command from him and they knew the voice. Peter said, if it be thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water." Well, we already noticed, no, Peter was a part of the, those that had fear, right? But there's something here I see in the question, in the petition. It's more like a force. Do you know what it means? Hey, do you know what it means? Do you know what it means to tempt God? Do you know what that means? Do you know what I mean? It means really to turn the tables on God and make him prove himself. That's tempting God. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You, you are, God, God has given, you, given us a, uh, you know, here's the way, walk you in it. He's given us his word. And when you tempt him, you turn the tables on him and essentially you're making him be the one to prove himself. It almost seems like what Peter's doing here. If it be thou... Bid me come out unto thee on the water. He's given him a command. If it's you, you, you tell me to come out. Right? And then finally, notice the third, third thing here with Peter is his failure. Jesus said, come. Listen, Jesus didn't initiate the command. Peter did. The only, pa- the only command that Jesus had ever given at this point right now is to get in the ship and go to the other side. So now Peter has kind of given the, his command. If it's you, right? You know, Jesus could have just walked right in the boat and sat down. It would have been all good, right? But Peter had to pipe up. Boy, that rhymes. Peter, pipe. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He says, you come out. Jesus said, okay, go ahead and come. So what's he do? He steps out of the boat. He starts walking to Jesus. This is, the set, this is the second word that Peter has gotten from Jesus to come. Okay, come. He starts out to him. What happened? The Bible says he begins to look at the wind around him. It's boisterous. It's bad. And he begins to sink. And it's when he begins to sink, obviously, maybe just as he's about to go under, I don't know. I, I can visualize a lot of it. I think that's nothing wrong with trying to do that. It may be a good thing. But the waves are going, everything's crashing around. He's starting to sink and he says, oh, real simple, Lord, save me. <laughs> yeah. 
It's amazing how his faith changed when he really, when he really needed something. Jesus pulls him out of the water, sets him up, right? Remember, listen, remember, the walking in the water, it wasn't, Peter's, it wasn't Jesus' idea. It was Peter's idea. <laughs> Bid me to come out to thee. Let me do a miracle to prove who you are. Hmm. Yeah. And so Jesus rescues Peter. He pulls him out. Look at verse 31. O thou. Now, that's singular. Ye, like, right, ye would be plural. Yeah, right. What are those pronouns? Beginning with Y or or are plural. Ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. Right. Pronouns beginning with T, T-H, they are singular. Right. Thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Can I remind you there are others still in the ship? Jesus wasn't talking to them. He didn't say, he didn't say, oh ye of little faith. He didn't look at the ship and say, ye of little faith. Wherefore did ye doubt? He didn't say that. He said, thou. He was talking directly to Peter. You you doubted. Let me ask you this though. Doubt what? I've got this written in my Bible. Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And I said, doubt what? Doubt. In, I mean, my initial, my, my, I, I used to view this as the doubting we referred to. He doubted uh, the, the, his faith and ability to walk out on the water. Right. But Jesus, when he says, Thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Doubt is referring to an act. What did he doubt? Right. Did he doubt when Jesus said, Go to the other side? If he had believed that, like really believed that when Jesus gave the command to go to the other side, it meant if God commanded it, he was going to get to the other side, right? If God commands something, it's going to happen. But maybe because there's some doubt in, in what Jesus commanded, it, it brought up this whole problem in, in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the sea anyway. Right? Maybe it meant that. Did, 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 did he doubt when Jesus said, it is I? Is that what, he, what Jesus was referring to? Wherefore didst thou doubt? Doubt what? It is I. Is that what he was thinking about? Or was it, did he doubt the word come? Come unto me out. Come on. You know, when Peter said, Peter said, uh, Jesus said, come. Come. Is that what he doubted? What did he doubt? He doubted all of it. I contend tonight that he doubted all of it. He had, wait, Peter, Peter had a general overarching uh, spirit of unbelief and doubt. The doubt of the, I mean, think about it. We do that, don't, I mean, I'm not going to get too hard on Peter because we still do it. But God says, do this. And we get halfway through and we go, oh, I don't know. It's like, hold on. If God said, uh, you know, get on a, you know, bus and go to some forsaken place like Michigan, okay, and uh, and it was the word of God and He told you to, and uh, you got into a snowstorm in Indiana, 
Would you stop and go, oh, well, God doesn't want me to go to Michigan? I mean, we do. That's what we do. But no, that's not what it means. It means you wait for the storm to go through and you get back, get on and go to Michigan because God already told you to do that, right? So, I mean, so there is, he doubted all of them. He doubted the command of, the, the word of God and the command to go to the other side. He doubted the word of his presence. It is I. He doubted the come unto him. Why? How do you know he doubted that? Well, he began to look at the wind. What happened? Doubt. He doubted it all. Wait, Peter doubted Jesus. It's not the first time he's going to do this, friend. Right? I'm going up to Jerusalem. Over my dead body you are. Yeah. I'm going to be, I, I, you know, you know I, Peter, I, I'll die with you. Come on, he made all sorts of crazy statements like this, didn't he? Yeah. Notice the continuance of the command in verses 32 and 33. He pulled him up out of the water. He said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Look, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Do you notice what Jesus did with Peter here? Yeah. He didn't pull him up out of the water and then run laps with him on the water going, Look at this. We're doing miracles. Peter's not like, yeah. What did Jesus do to him? He put him back in the boat. (laughs) Why? Because that's where he told him to go in the first place. Yeah. You know what happens? Verse 33. When they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Right? Verse 34, And when they had gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. What happened when they got to the, into the ship? They went to where Jesus told them to go in the first place. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 don't, I don't really see this as some great focus on, on a miracle of, of stepping out of the boat. Oh, it's just step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. Step out of the boat and do this and do that and do this and do that. Actually, Jesus is saying, no, stay in the boat. Because <laughs> it's what I already told you, because it's what I told you to do. You know, whatever he's told you to do, just keep doing it. See, do you know Jesus gives commands in our life, doesn't he? We're going to be done here in just a minute. I know you can't believe that. You're going to have to text everybody that stayed home for no reason at all and said, oh, we're already out. Yep. Pastor bought us ice cream. Uh, Who did? No, I didn't. Believe Jesus, not me. Don't believe me. <laughs> no, hold on. Jesus gives commands in our life, doesn't he? He gives us directions in our life. You've had at times when God has impressed you to do something, when the word of God has come clear, whether, uh, let's, let's start with the basic things, when you got saved and you realize that we ought to give to God, when you realize you ought to give in tithes and offerings and missions and things like that, and you obey God and you realize, oh, hey, this is for us. And when, when you, uh, early on, you get the things of, you know, like we talked about this morning and forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, and you realize the importance of assembling and, and you make it a part of the habits of your life because God commands you to commanded us to do so. No, we all have times when God commands us to do things in our life. Those are some of the elementary 101 things. Uh, you know, our habits change and our dress changes and, uh, and sometimes our, our food choice changes and our drink choice changes and things like that. And we, we just put on Christ and we put off the world. And these are commands from God. He's given us directions to live in our life. And he gives us these things. But sometimes in the middle of these commands, 
in the destination of these commands, on way to, uh, in route, I should say, storms come up in our life. Yeah, don't they? Man, you're tithing away, you're giving for 50 years, and all of a sudden, you move to Missouri. That's right. And then he quits tithing. I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 listen, things come in life, don't they? Seasons change. You know, we're, we're high over here, running high over here, and, and everything was well, and we're obeying the command of God, but then, boy, a storm comes up. Yeah. And then we start th- saying things like this, Lord, do, should I really tithe to this week? Are you sure you want me to? I mean, you know the, you know the bank account, <laughs> Right? Let's just pray about this. Yeah. Amen. Write the check. Yeah. What, what, what does Jesus say in those situations? Stay in the boat. <laughs> just stay in the boat. Amen. Can I tell you, he's aware of the storm. He's right there. Do you think God doesn't know when you lose a job? Do you think God doesn't know uh, when, when some catastrophe comes and a car wreck happens and you lose this and you do that and this happens? I mean, He knows when the storms come in our life. He knows that. He's given us direction. Yeah. Some people get out of ministry. Some, I, some pastors get out of ministry because of children. Some ought to, but sometimes they ought not to. No, really, sometimes they shouldn't, sometimes they shouldn't. Sometimes they're jumping out of boats when they don't need to. Yeah. I'm just saying there's all sorts of storms that come in life. There's all sorts of storms. I always mention some of these ones because these are the ones I know about the most. I'll have to have you give me some other examples of your own life, right? I'll pick on somebody else. But he's aware. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God knows exactly tonight where you are? Think about that for a while. Don't let that pass over. He's aware. Do you really believe He's above it all? And above the circumstances? Right. Do you really believe He cares? Hmm. That He cares about it? See, when the fear sets in, what we need to do is just to obey the voice that commanded us in the first place. You might look at a situation and say, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out. This looks, looks dire. It looks bad. I don't like what this looks like. But I know what you told me. And right here, we're just going to stay in the boat. Because there's a destination on the other end of this. Obey the voice. Overlook the surroundings. Don't don't pay attention to the waves. Don't pay attention to the conditions. Don't pay attention to the circumstances. Pay attention to the voice. Because on the other side of the storm is the victory that God has prepared. Look at verse 34. Look at it. And when they were gone to the other side, they came to the land of Gennesaret, verse 35. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly 
whole. Can I tell you something tonight? If you are doubting the original command, you're going to doubt the confirmation that you're looking for as well. Why? Because your, your faith hasn't been in His Word anyway. It's been in the circumstances. It's been in how the, the, surroundings, the surroundings and the circumstances are dictating how you react to life. Instead of responding to the voice of God and staying there, the circumstances have caused you to react. Yeah. Stay in the boat. Do you remember the last command that God gave you? Maybe, you know, you, you've been saved, many in here have been saved uh, many years. Many of you have. You've, you've had a lot of things the Lord has told you to do. <laughs> you've a lot of things. Some of the basic one-on-one things, boy, you're still doing them. Don't even, don't even think about them anymore. They're, they're just, they become a habit of your life. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. But there's some other things that have come along, some other commands that have come along. There's some other things that God has said, here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get into this ship, right? The ship may be a witnessing ship, right? Maybe it's an assembling ship, <laughs> being faithful to assemble. Maybe it's a ministry ship. And God says, I want you here or I want you there. Maybe it's a, a, maybe it's a, a ministry ship, meaning he has put somebody just simply a witnessing, uh, uh, a boat. you're in a boat of witnessing and he's put somebody in your life that he wants you to, he wants you to go after and he wants you to get. Storms are coming. Opposition is coming. Things are coming to deter us. Things are coming to say, eh, maybe that wasn't of God. I've heard this little saying. You've heard it many times before. Remember it, would you please? Don't doubt in the dark what God has already told you in the light. In the dark times of life, so many times we begin to doubt. Don't doubt there. Don't doubt what God is in the dark, what God has already told you in the light. Storms are going to come. Have you gotten out of the boat? Maybe you've stopped. You say, boy, I don't know. Maybe this, maybe this one of you. I mean, I, I really expected them to respond differently to my invite to church. I really expected them to respond differently to the letter I sent them, to the email I sent them, to the tract I've sent them. I really expected a different response. Boy, I don't know, Lord. Maybe, may, maybe there isn't anything here. And are you sure? <laughs> yeah. You know what you need to do? You just need to keep going on. Right. I remember hearing the testimony of a preacher up in upstate New York over in Auburn, New York and he gave a testimony of a, a woman that his mother worked with and nearly every week she would give this woman in her office a tract and the woman was getting really annoyed actually after a while she had so many tracts on her nightstand it was just like are you when are you going to stop giving me these I don't want these you know she just every week she'd give her something else give her something else and the preacher said this, he was a young guy, and he said, you know what, that lady got saved. He says, my mom didn't get to lead her to the Lord. No, she didn't. But she was the first one she called after she got saved. Let me tell you something, those are seeds. Those are seeds. Listen, keep at it. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat of witnessing. Maybe you've given up on somebody and you begin to almost have this attitude. God, God, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Do you want me? Are you sure? It's you? Hey, listen, if he's already told you to, stay at it. Stay in the boat. 
If, if, listen, if he's, if he's told you to do something, I don't know what it is. You know what it is. The Holy Spirit of God maybe right now is bringing it to mind, something that he's told you to do that you need to, maybe you've, maybe you've got a little uh, fear has set in, in in the storm and you've gotten out of the boat. Can I challenge you tonight? Get back in the boat. Get back in the boat. Do you notice Peter did have a chance to get back in the boat and he got to be a part of all of what happened where God had told him to go. I'm thankful Jesus just didn't leave him there like, you dope. Well, I'll pick another one. <laughs> all right, he'll wash up later. No, he, 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 got, he, he rescued him. He put him back in the boat. And uh, he got to be a part of what Jesus did. And all of the healings, all the miracles. And as we know, obviously, with Peter, he got to be a part of a lot. Let me encourage you tonight. Two things. Either stay in the boat. Whatever God's told you to do, stay there. If you've gotten out of there, get back in it. Because God hasn't changed his mind. The callings of God are without repentance, the Bible says. He hasn't changed his mind. Just get in the boat. Get in the boat or stay in the boat. One of those two things. And listen, I'm telling you tonight, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You'll see victory on the other side just shortly. Amen? Our Father, thank you tonight for the encouragement. I even think of our own church. And where we are in this, in our history, of all the years that we've been in this town, and then here we are in this time of transition, believing of a certainty that we're following your voice. We believe we're following you. You've even confirmed that before. And how the storms can come up even in our own existence here, just at this church. Crimson Avenue Baptist Church. We have a goal that you have set. And it would be easy even for us to get blown off track and get out of the boat, get worried and get in fear. Lord, would you help us as a, as, as a church collectively just to stay in the boat and to keep going forward. You're here. You're aware. You know what's going on. The command is still there. And maybe individually tonight there's been somebody here that's, uh, Lord, they're, they're at a bad spot. You've given them a command in their life. They know what it is. Maybe nobody else does, but they do. You've put a, put a command on their life and the storm has come up, the opposition's come up, and they don't, they're, they're doubting right now. They're doubting. Maybe they've even gotten out of the boat trying to get you to confirm again what you've already told them and what they know you've told them. Would you help them to get in the boat tonight? Would they make that decision tonight? Just put a stake in the ground tonight. I'm getting back in the boat. I'm just going to continue on with what you've told me to do. And then for those that are on their mission, whatever God has given them to do, they're in the boat and the storm is raging. Storm of opposition. God, would you help them tonight? Encourage them tonight. Come by them in that ship like you did with Paul in that storm on that ship headed to Rome. God, would you just comfort them tonight, encourage them to stay right where they are because you're going to bring them through and you're going to get them to where you want them to be and there's going to be great victory when they get there. Would you encourage them there, please? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight? The instrument's going to play and we have an opportunity now.
Would you respond to God however He's speaking to you? You need to get back in a boat tonight? You need to stay in a boat? Storm's raging, you're getting a little nervous. Hey, listen, would you, would you rest on the word that God has already spoken to you and realize that he, he doesn't change his mind? If he's given you a command to do something and go somewhere and be somewhere, stay there. Stay there. Keep giving. Keep tithing. Keep praying. Keep reading. Keep witnessing. Keep going after that one individual that God has put on your heart. Stay after him. Don't get out of the ship. Missed in a word of prayer tonight. <clears throat> Just remember to pray for those that aren't able to be here. And we will, Lord willing, be back here Wednesday.